Amen. Well, good evening once again, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Once again, we are so very delighted to gather and to celebrate. What a time we had this morning, didn't we, in Scripture, as we dove into no less than the incarnation of Christ. I pray that our minds were filled and that our hearts were inflamed by such glorious truths. Everything pales in light of such doctrinal mountains where we were able to catch just a glimpse of the mind of God and the foreknowledge and the planning of God. Tonight is special for us all as we receive a a double portion of this word. And while this morning took us to the beginning of John's gospel, tonight we will open to the gospel of Luke. As you begin opening your Bibles there, you may not be able to see where you're sitting. We will have it on the screen. But those of you who know your way around Luke's gospel may start instinctively turning to Luke chapter 2, detailing for us, of course, the birth of Christ, the most well-known telling of the Christmas story. But we are going to go earlier than that this evening. Before Jesus would be born, there was a meeting, a meeting between two pregnant women that would culminate in an incredible song of praise that is rung down through the ages. As you turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 46, we're going to see what it will become known as the Magnificat, which simply in Latin means, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now at this point in the story, Mary has been told that she will bear a son, and that she will call his name Jesus. And he will be called the son of the most high and that he'll sit on the throne of David and that he'll reign over the house of Jacob and that there will be no end to his kingdom. Mary's been told all of these things. And of course, her response to this revelation by Gabriel is is one that causes us to marvel, doesn't it? And if I were Mary, I might have a few follow up questions (laughs) to such a declaration And yet Mary, in what we are only beginning to see, see, possessed such a a wisdom and a maturity so far beyond her years as she responded, Behold, I am the slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And the scene quickly moves on from there and, and sees a, a pregnant Mary hurrying off to see her relatives, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who also was with child. And that child, of course, was none other than John the Baptist. And a remarkable thing happens when Mary comes in the door and greets Elizabeth. Many of you know this story. Scripture tells us that, that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, that the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. What a declaration by Elizabeth, right? What insight and humility 
We could just stop and just really put up camp right there, right here on Elizabeth. She was clearly an incredible woman as well. Recall how Jesus would later describe that baby, John the Baptist, saying, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. So we have really a in utero meeting here of the savior of mankind, the incarnate God man, and the greatest man to ever be born of a woman. And the result of that meeting and proximity gave both of these women a glorious startle. But it's really Mary's response to Elizabeth that draws our gaze this evening. What we will witness is an explosion of praise from this remarkable young woman. As we read Mary's response of worship, Mary's song, let us be reminded she's likely no older than 13 or 14 years old. She had no personal copy of scripture at her nightstand for her to read and learn from. And yet she possessed a maturity and a grasp of Scripture, a knowledge of the promises of God that are stunning. That tells us a lot about what was spoken of in the home of Mary. This illuminates how often she was in synagogue. We aren't born with the knowledge Mary is about to reveal. It is studied and it is learned by the aid of of the Holy Spirit. What a gripping testimony Mary's song is for both parents and children alike. Young man, young lady, you may know the deep truths of God. You may know faith. You may know humility. You may know what it means, like Mary, to submit to God's will, and he will use you mightily. So with that, let us look to Mary's overflow of worship. Let us look to Mary's song, beginning at verse 46, Luke 1, verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon the humble state of his slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He's brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful 
for this Christmas Eve that you have given us. Lord, this opportunity to gather once again in a sweet time of fellowship and of worship and of time spent in your precious word. Lord, we thank you for its inerrancy, for its infallibility, for its perfection, kept and preserved for us, Lord, that we might know you. And Lord, this morning that we, this evening that we might know Mary. Heavenly Father, we ask you would be with us and tend to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, most of our regulars at Harrison Hills know that we usually get through perhaps three or four verses on a full Sunday morning. We could never get through ten like we have here, especially on an evening service. So Mary's song of necessity is going to be a little bit more of a flyover than a normal deep dive that we're accustomed to, but I, I pray that it will wet your palate for it in so many ways. What a gift it is in these verses, a gift to to get a peek into the heart and to look behind the curtain, as it were, to one of the most well-known characters of Scripture. Scripture says that Mary was blessed among women. Why is that? Was it because she herself possessed some sort of innate or intrinsic goodness? Not at all. She was blessed because she was being given a front row seat to the saving of God's people. I think any of us would feel blessed to be in such a place and chosen for such a task. But there's no doubt that she was remarkable, that she was learned, that she possessed a deep and abiding faith. You know, Proverbs tells us that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When we are squeezed like a tube of toothpaste, what is inside comes out, good or bad. (laughs) Well, too often the latter, I'm afraid. But here Mary has been squeezed in her heart. She's been overwhelmed, as it were, by the declaration and the questioning of Elizabeth, by her baby leaping and tossing and turning within her, and what comes gushing forth but praise. Perfect, wonderful, rich, full praise. What an insight into the young Mary. And we will see that her praise is positively charged with Scripture from top to bottom. Saints, how ought our worship to be? Who is the topic of Mary's song? It is God funny concept, isn't that? Go ahead and listen to perhaps the latest Christian song or what might be considered some modern worship songs. Who's the lead topic? Usually itself. An entire worship song that's about you. Perhaps pause and listen to the lyrics sometime. Are they about how you're feeling or about your struggles? Is it me-centric? Well, guess what? That sells, and, and that works. What is, usually a personal, what is usually a personal favorite topic? Myself. And now I get to sing a song about myself. I'll take it. It's self-worship. And yet, look at the song of Mary. Who is on the throne of this song? My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, 
my Savior, for he has looked upon the humble state of his slave. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has filled the hungry. He has given help to Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Who is on the throne of Mary's worship? God is. A little tip for music selection in your iTunes library, beloved. If the number of times you count me and I in the lyrics outnumber the times you count he and him, it's not God we're worshiping in that song. Might want to toss that one out. Let us worship like Mary. Look to Mary's first adoration of praise. In verse 46 and 47, she declares, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. With her mouth, she declares this. That, that's her body. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoiced in God, my Savior. Body, soul, and spirit, meaning Mary is declaring with her whole being, with all that she is, that the Lord is the delight of her heart. That her soul magnifies the Lord. And if he is magnified, I am reduced. Like the baby in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist would later say, He must increase, but I must decrease. And the source of her joy? What makes her rejoice? It's not her incredible circumstance. It's not that she's with child. It's not that she gets to be with families and relatives. It's not being newly betrothed to Joseph. She rejoiced in God, her Savior. You know, from someone in this time and culture, to call God Savior, capital S, capital S, is to know their scripture much better than most. You know, all over the Old Testament, they speak of a God who saves. But the Savior, capital S, well, that is, it, that is a rarity, sprinkled throughout the Psalms and a few other places. In other words, this girl knew her scripture. For he, verse 48 now, has looked upon the humble state of his slave. Now, if you could see your own Bibles, you might say, brother, my translation says servant, not slave. Beloved, our word here is doulas. It means slave. And certain translations have, have softened that word to maybe, you know, be less offensive or be less abrasive, but it only has one meaning. How did Mary see herself? While simultaneously not even willing to, to lift her head as a slave, Simultaneously, she could rejoice in her master and she could magnify a gracious Lord. Now, that is an incredibly mature view of our relationship with God, isn't it? Isn't it? 
to, to understand both of those truths in the same breath. That I am a slave for my Savior. And in Him I rejoice. And I call Him Father. And in His glory I magnify. What depth in a 13, 14-year-old young lady. And why does Mary marvel at this as a slave of her master? For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. That's why she marvels. Now, was Mary blessed? Yes. Yes, she was. But she was not blessed because of what she dispensed or what she gave away or what she did. Mary was blessed because of what she was given. As someone unworthy to receive it, the favor that rested on Mary did not originate with her, but with God. And look at her names that she continues to lavish upon the Lord now in verse 49. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary knows him as Lord as God, as Savior, and now as the Mighty One. One has to wonder if she was thinking of Isaiah 9, where the Messiah himself was called Mighty One. Now he is also the Holy One. Holy is his name. That's who he is to our dear Mary. That's who he is. Now what has he done? As Mary's heart soars in praise, verse 50, look with me, saints. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. The mighty one who is holy, meaning he is perfect and he is pure. But if it stopped there, none could ever approach him. None could come. And Mary understands this. And so she declares that he is what? That he is merciful. What is mercy? Mercy is not receiving the penalty we deserve. She knows the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even as the mighty God. He is long-suffering, that he does not give us what we deserve. And we glory with the psalmist in Psalm 103 when he declares that God does not deal with us as we deserve. Mary says he is merciful. And not just to me, but to generation after generation. Wow. <laughs> now some 13 or 14 year olds sadly today can't see past their last video game score. Mary sees the faithfulness and the mercy of God that is extended to all generations. To whom, Mary? To whom? Who is the recipient of this undeserved mercy? Last part of verse 50, toward those who fear him. Now watch this, beloved. This remarkable young lady, she doesn't just know her scripture. She knows the history of her people. She knows how God has interacted with her people from the beginning. And she starts her next stanza, as it were, with, with a blanket statement. Verse 51. Here, here's your lenses to read the rest of 
my joyous song with. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. Like what, Mary? He's done a mighty deed with his arm. Like what? What has your God done? Keep singing for us, Mary. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. Oh, to understand at 14 years old that God looks at the heart, that he tests the mind, that he judges the thought life and the attitudes of the heart as if they were on public display. That even those who were merely proud in their own heart, perhaps humble on the outside, but proud in the thoughts of their heart, that God will strike and scatter them. She knew that her history and her scripture declared that God resists the proud, but he gives grace, he extends mercy to the humble. What other deeds has the Lord done, Mary? Sing and tell us. Verse 52, he has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. Boy, someone has been teaching Mary about the sovereign command and control of the Lord over all the affairs of men, that it is God who raises up nations and leaders and that it is God who puts them down. Mary knows of Assyria. She knows of Babylon and Egypt. It is her mighty God that rules and reigns. And through it all, he gives grace to the humble. Verse 53, what else? He's filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. Boy, can, can you almost hear the heartbeat of the Beatitudes in her praise, can't you? Of the Sermon on the Mount, that it is the hungry that will be filled. It is the thirsty that will be satisfied. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That my economy and my kingdom are opposite of the world. Here the rich are esteemed. And they're given preference. And they're given the high seat at the table. But so many trust in those riches. They are prideful in their hearts because of their riches. And they will be sent away empty. Not because the riches were bad but they rob them of their humility and they rob their dependence on the mighty God and he shares a throne with no other. And look, beloved, look next at Mary's love and wisdom. She goes on. He has given help to Israel, his servant. In remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed, forever. This young lady even grasps the Abrahamic covenant with his people. Mary had laid hold of the wisdom of God's saints, and it made her heart leap out of her chest. All of Mary's song, indeed all of scripture, the Christmas story that we celebrate this season, declare to us the wisdom of God in all of this, he is wrapped up into his word and into the gospel. That gospel wisdom, 
the wisdom that had ordained a way for the love of God to deliver us from the wrath of God without compromising the justice of God. The question made famous by the song, Mary, did you know? It appears she not only knew very much, but so much that it causes her to burst forth in praise. That baby leapt in Mary's womb. And that baby was always the plan. Back to the beginning, here in 2023 and forever into the future. There is no other plan. There's no other way. And there's no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. And all of this coming from a song from Mary. A manger in Bethlehem beginning at creation all the way to Mary's song through the manger to the cross to those sitting here tonight. It is all one continuous thread in the tapestry of a faithful God that Jesus would be born fully God and fully man, that he would live a perfect life, that he would be the perfect sacrifice in so defeating death and hell, and that that perfect life lived by the God-man, Jesus Christ, is applied to the account of every believer in him. Where we broke God's law, Jesus kept it, and he kept it fully, causing him to be rejected by men, And those men crucified him. And Mary was there at the foot of that cross. She was there at the empty tomb. She listened as the disciples told her of her son ascending and being taken away by a cloud. Well, this was her song before she knew any of this. And now she's at her feet, the feet of her Savior forevermore. I wonder what Mary's song is now. I can't wait to hear it. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Most merciful Heavenly Father, we are are overwhelmed at the great love with which you have loved us. Lord, that you have fashioned a plan from the foundation of the world to save a people unto yourself. Lord, through this holy night in Bethlehem, Emmanuel, God with us, you would save your people. Lord, we thank you for Mary's song. Lord, that the Holy Spirit saw fit to preserve it for us, that our hearts might be inflamed toward the glory that is the Mighty One. Lord, that you have planned this from eternity past, right up to every last heart this evening. Lord, we remember you. We remember all that you have done. We remember what you have saved us from, what you have rescued us for. We thank you, Lord, for this special time of year. Lord, may Mary's song burn bright in our hearts, Lord, in our lives as we live to walk out the truth of this gospel. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.